Hi everyone, welcome to Zai Talks. Today I'm here to feature a guest speaker for APTI's summer conference. And so if you don't know what the APTI is, I'll have it linked below. I am helping them with promoting their event happening at the end of July. And the theme of the conference will be personalities in relationship. If you're interested, check out the links below for more information. So without further ado, we will go to the video. Hi everyone, welcome to Type Talks. Today we have Joel and Antonia from Personality Hacker with us, live from their profiler training event. And so what is profiler training? So it is the live event that these both wonderful human beings offer. This is the kind of event where a lot of type enthusiasts meet together to learn about type for real, calibrate with one another, and to find a sense of community. I would highly recommend it to anyone who wants to deepen their type knowledge and also find like-minded people to discuss type with and perhaps find lifelong friends. Everyone at this event is almost like instant friends we meet and there's just a very huge type community here. And so it's thankfully fostered by these two EPs, this wonderful uh, Antonia is an ENTP and Joel is an ENFP. And yeah, they really bring up the energy. Joel likes to call this experience the psychedelic odyssey of the mind. And so, yeah, it, it really is. And so if you're looking for more self-understanding of yourself and also feeling seen and heard perhaps for the first time in your life, I would highly recommend their event. I'll link the information down below. And so, yeah, today I would love to talk to you both about the purpose of type. Why do you think people should learn about type? And what are your thoughts around that general question? So this is a question that's near and dear to my heart, particularly since, as you mentioned, community is really important to us. We do our best to curate a strong community of people that are not just type enthusiasts and not just share the same values and interests of type, but are, are really looking to help combat the epidemic of loneliness, the challenge that all of us face when we feel very disconnected from each other, the, the feeling you get when everybody around you has very short attention spans, and so it's hard for them to focus on really anything, much less really get into a deepened conversation with another person, to really see them as a, a fascinating creature, as somebody who's worth getting to know. Really experience them and show them that they're, you know, that they're worth hearing, they're worth seeing as an individual. So I think for me, the purpose of type isn't to just go down the rabbit trails of this, you know, bug that bit me. So I'm fascinated by type. Everybody who's super into type is fascinated by type. Um, that whole concept of the wand chooses the wizard. Sometimes it feels like type just chose us. And, uh, and so there is going to be a desire, just a natural desire to deepen one's knowledge around it, to get into all the little intricacies, all the little pieces, uh, all the nooks and crannies of every piece of information that you can access, that some of us, just, that's just what happens. But at the end of the day, Type to me is a, uh, an on-ramp into self-inquiry. It's a way for us to understand ourselves and the nooks and crannies of ourselves. Not all of us are naturally introspective. 
having ENTP preferences, I'm not a naturally introspective person. When I go inside, my introverted feeling is my seventh function. It feels like there's like a big cavern there and it gets real echoey. So type for me originally was a way for me to understand myself on a very surface level. I call it almost like the coloring book level where it's all real deep, dark lines and lots of spaces. But I think what type has done for me is it's helped me go inside enough so that I see more of the Monet, right? Like all of the little pieces of me that have no hard lines. They're more like sort of colors that sort of smush up against each other and make a shape. Type has allowed me to access those parts of who I am, the more intricate parts. And so for me, the purpose of type, uh, obviously that spills out into relationships. If you know yourself well, if you rest into yourself, you're going to be able to show up better for partnerships, uh, for family relationships, for coworkers, friends. Obviously that's the really positive spill out. And relationship building and understanding each other and not weaponizing what we know about each other is a massive part of type. But to me, the fundamental purpose is to understand myself more and more to a place where I can rest into who I am, to accept those parts of myself as, oh, it's a feature, not a bug, right? It's part of who I am in a positive way. And I don't have to stop there. I can keep going. I can ameliorate what I now understand about myself. I can become a better version of myself over time. So while I don't think everybody has to share that concept of the purpose of type, I feel like that's helped me use this tool, because it's fundamentally a tool, it's helped me use this tool to, uh, to not get too pedantic about all of it, to not worry about all the little... I mean, in like type communities, you see a lot of, one can see some infighting, arguments over definitions, uh, even in really strong communities, like there are some strong online communities, but you see all the, the sort of combating each other over terms and definitions. And I think when you rest into a higher purpose of it, right, more of a, what one could call possibly even a psycho-spiritual aspect, which I think has its roots in Carl Jung, which the type, this version of type does as well. When you really rest into that part of it, uh, I think all of those pedantic little arguments don't mean as much anymore. They're not as important. Um, if you're fighting over the definition of what introverted intuition is, at the end of the day, it's like, well, why are we defining introverted intuition at all? And, uh, and that part of the self-inquiry, that part of getting to know deeper aspects of ourselves, I think is, to me, one of the best ways to create a purposeful relationship to type. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, wonderfully said, Antonia. And so, when she mentions the epidemic of loneliness, there is two kinds of loneliness. There's a lack of connection with other people, and there's also a lack of connection with yourself, too. And so you can be lonely in your own company. When we're not connected with ourselves, one of the ways that we can help become more connected with ourselves is systems that can be an access point for us to further understand our own humanity or parts of our structure. And so personality type is one of the parts of holistically understanding yourself, which can lead to a lot of self-acceptance. So for some personality types, if your personality type is not the majority within your environment, you can wonder if you're the problem, if you're the crazy one. And you can essentially gaslight yourself and lose connection to yourself and, and blame yourself for certain things. And so type gives us an, a compassion towards 
ourselves and compassion towards other people. Instead of using judgment towards others or ourselves, we can use curiosity. It's like, ah, oh, I do it because of probably maybe this type pattern. And it's the starting place for some of the deepest conversations you'll have in your life. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that you guys are doing what you're doing. Um, you also mentioned Antonia that the type community can sometimes be overly pedantic about little details and then in fight or fractions fighting against each other. Whereas it's losing purpose with the actual reason people should be practicing type, which is creating a world that understands each other more or ourselves more and then using that for either love or creating better dynamics or spiraling up in growth. And so I'm glad that you were mentioning that because, yeah, it's, it's bringing everything back to Carl Jung. So he talks about individuation and that type is to cure our one-sidedness. Type identifies where we are one-sided and that is the beginning point of a conversation where you learn to grow past that or learn to live in ways in which that one-sidedness isn't controlling your life. They're not creating tidal waves that you're infinitely condemned to repeat throughout your life. So type is a pattern which a lot of people experience over and over again in their life. And so Carl Jung says, if you let something live in your unconscious, it'll direct you and you'll call it fate when it's really something you can, within your control once you understand it. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm happy that you're doing all of this. <laughs> I'm happy you're doing what you're doing too. And I think, I mean, somebody watching right now that has been part of your channel and watching you develop just in your skill set and, you know, we all get better at our craft and what we do. But what they don't see, Joyce, is the work that you're doing around type, growth, the ways that you're finding self-acceptance, you know, because that's personal to you, personal growth. But I know you, and I've seen that you have engaged in some of those things. I think type for you has been a very uh, personally empowering experience. And I really appreciate the fact that you've been using it, not just for, you know, developing skills and other things out here, but those things you're talking about, the individuation. And I think by example, somebody that's watching you through your journey, you, you probably are inspiring a lot of people through the way that you're talking about this. And I've seen you on your channel interview so many different people from all different walks of life and perspectives. I just want to say I'm really grateful for you that you want to further this and help people understand it and bring it to them in this. And I, I just think it's awesome what you're doing. So it's cool. Yeah, cool. We're all on a common mission to use type to help people with their personal development. Yep. And so, yeah, I'm all for it. And so, guys, check out Personality Hacker. And I'm sure you guys already have because they're a really big <laughs> platform. And so... Before we end off the interview, I'm wondering about the firm model. So I know this is more on the tech, like technically intense side, but I'm, I'm sure my audience members would love it. So what the firm model is, is that the 16 types can be put into four quadrants and you can learn more about them. And they have a podcast episode on this too that I'll link below. And so the F in firm model stands for freedom. And so these are the EP types with the ENFP, ENTP, ESTP, and ESFP types. And they share commonalities because NE extroverted intuition and SE extroverted sensing have commonalities. So these types like to keep their options open and they like exploring in their realm of domain. They tend to like aliveness. So extroverted sensing likes aliveness in its physicality and extroverted intuition loves aliveness in ideation and brainstorming. And so I'm just wondering about your thoughts on the F in the freedom fixation. I like it. I want to be free. And I, yeah, it's actually, all joking aside, I, uh, I've had to do a lot of work in my life as an EP to realize that 
if I have complete and total unfettered freedom, I actually don't have as much freedom as I think I do. In other words, there's some there's some wisdom uh, in being stable. And I think of the word I've switched freedom to in my life as an EP is sovereignty. Now I'm an ENFP, those are my type preferences. So introverted feeling, it's gonna be a lot about sovereignty. So each type has to think in terms, I think ENTP might think about this differently, right? Mm -hmm. But sovereignty for me is the word that I use over freedom. And sovereignty doesn't really mean like, like freedom, uh, uh, somebody that doesn't have a job and maybe doesn't have a home to live in, they probably have a lot of freedom to do whatever they want in life like, you know, but they don't have a lot of resources. There's a limitation to that absolute freedom to be accountable to something. Like that's kind of a, a low level example. But some of the sovereign, they have maybe responsibility. They've got something they're responsible for. They're sovereign over the world that they live in. Maybe they've given up some of the just complete absolute freedom to just wander anywhere. But in a, in a way it's actually better because I think they can, they can build from that. They can have a sense of, of home, of consistency, of container. And, uh, and so I think this, it's not, you know, it's not a binary, but I think there's something to be said for uh, the EP nature to find something that's not just pure freedom, find something else that works for you. For me, again, it's sovereignty. Yeah. I don't know what it would be for ENTPs or anyone else in that framework. Would you say sovereignty right. is yours? Uh, I don't know if I, I don't know if it's sovereignty that I believe is the antidote for me personally. I think freedom of thought and expression of those thoughts is extremely important to me, and I, I don't think I lack the sovereignty to do that, but sometimes I lack the social permission. Um, but I do. Is it okay if I go geeky? Absolutely. Okay. My audience go geeky. is super geeky. Here we okay. go. Go geeky. <laughs> uh, so the firm model is a separation, as you started to mention, that each of the letters stands for something different. F is for freedom, I is for invulnerability, R is for rightness, and M is for management. And as you mentioned, the F stands for freedom, which appeals to EP types. The I stands for invulnerability, which appeals to IJ types. R stands for rightness, which appeals to IP types. And M stands for management, which is a reference to EJ types. And we call them fixations. Uh, we call them fixations because the firm model is an attempt to point out that our first or dominant function it is a way of life. It's something that we are naturally wired to be fascinated by anything that falls in those realms, like you mentioned with extroverted intuition or extroverted sensing. If this is your preferred function, you're going to be just naturally fascinated by anything that occupies that slice of life, right? Whether it be brainstorming and conceptualization or whether it be presence and enjoying the moments and really getting the most out of the pleasures of life or, uh, you know, whatever that means. Uh, it's not just a desire, but it can become a fixation, something that rules you, something you can't let go of. And I think really what the firm model is doing, and I'm so glad you mentioned before Carl Jung's concept of individuation and the, uh, the desire to integrate all aspects of ourselves to avoid one-sidedness, the firm model is a non-Jungian way of communicating the problem of one-sidedness. That really is what it is. The firm model is intended to, in a just sort of an acronym, more accessible way, say watch out for the challenge of one-sidedness because we can get fixated on our dominant function. And when we're in a fixation of our dominant function, when we're in one-sidedness, all of the other functions now serve that, that desire. What's so fascinating is that, like in Dr. John Beebe's model of the eight-function model, uh, the shadow is ostensibly right um, occupied, or at least functions five through eight are sha they call them shadow functions. Now, a lot of times we get 
sometimes, sometimes it's hard to understand exactly what that means, right? What does it mean to have it as a shadow function? And John calls it um, ego, those uh, ego dystonic, meaning that when there's a good description of those functions, we just don't identify with them. They, we go, that's, that's somebody else, that's not me. But we all have access to them. So when do they come out? Well, they come out in time periods where we're actually trying to protect ourselves. And so they don't always show up in the best of ways. It doesn't mean that we can't use those functions. I mean, everybody has a shower thought, right? Everybody has access to introverted intuition. It's not like the shower thought is like, go destroy the world, right? Uh, um, that would be like a shadowy way of using introverted intuition, possibly. But we all have like access to this function, regardless of whether or not it's making us twirl our mustaches or steeple our fingers. But that said, uh, when we're in our shadow, these are the functions that sometimes we grab as tools. Mm -hmm. But the fascinating thing in a conversation with uh, John about this is that when you're one-sided, your shadow grows. It can actually end up like basically causing your inferior function to now be shadow material, meaning that you're not consciously aware of how you're using it. And that's not that uncommon, but it, then it can grow into your tertiary. And your tertiary can now become a shadow function for you. You're not sure how you're using it. And it can even gulp up the auxiliary function, meaning that your functions two through eight are now shadow material. You're not sure how you're using them. They're coming up in this massively self-protective way. They're coming up in a way where they're causing damage to yourself and other people. I've and seen people like this. I have too. In their too. older age, they, they lose track of what they were. Exactly. It's almost like you meet somebody when they're in their 40s and they were really with it and then they're in their 70s and 80s and if they were too one-sided, all of that all of that information or content about themselves that was once accessible is now it's almost like they become two-dimensional people. Mm -hmm. They lose access to things they once had. Yeah. So the challenge of one-sidedness is that it causes our shadow, which is effectively our unconscious uh, or the relationship we have to ourselves being unconscious, right? We don't know, like you said, you continue these patterns and we call them fate because we're unaware of them. And so uh, the firm model is an attempt to go, if you're one of these types, you may have a fixation on this function, this first function that causes this kind of behavior. For EP types, it's a freedom. It's a freedom fixation. If it becomes too one-sided, you will stop watching how all your other functions are feeding into this freedom machine. And you're unaware of how they're impacting you, right? You're unaware of how you're constantly and perpetually defensive about anything that's attempting to lock you down. And for uh, IJs, it's invulnerability. It's an, it's an inability to be vulnerable in any situation, whether it's physical vulnerability or whether or not that's um, emotional or psychological invulnerability, whether or not it's an inability to make take chances or get out of one's comfort zone. It's a very locked-in, um, sort of hyper-focused, like, not focused, but like sort of a... a, a Vigilant. Yeah, it's like a too narrow way of life, right? Trying to prevent any sort of uh, insecurity, trying to prevent any sort of uh, anything that would like trigger safety mechanisms. If you're hyper-focused on that, eventually you will lose track of how you're using all these other functions in support of that. And you're prickly and you're pushing people away and you're making it so that you live this really small, unadventurous life that lacks courage. And it's like, why would anybody want to do that? But if, if you've built this fortress for yourself, well, once you build the fortress, isn't it your job to now protect it? And so um, uh, rightness is for IPs. Right? It's the it's the fixation on not just being right, but having rights. Right? It's like your right to be whoever you want to be, regardless of how it makes anybody else feel. The right to your subjective reality. 
That's right, exactly. Yeah. Which everybody should have a right to, but if that's all you can do and you have no capacity to interface with the outside world, you can't set yourself up for life, right? Like as in you can't build systems in your life that actually are, are good for you and other people because you're so, you have such a rightness fixation. And for management and EJs, there can become this desire to be um, basically in charge of everything to a point where you don't have your own individual identity anymore. You don't know who you are. You've lost connection with yourself. You've lost connection with, I mean, you can see this sometimes with EJ types when they get really mad and they can't say, uh, I feel this way. They have to say, we feel this way, right? We all feel this way as if they don't have a right to have their own subjective experience. And so whenever we are hyper-focused on that first function and we can't let it go and we start building systems that make sure that we don't have to do anything that goes against the desires and the comfort levels of that first function. What we're doing is we're dooming ourselves to a life of one-sidedness. We're unintegrated our, and, and our shadow can grow beyond John's shadows of five through eight. We can honestly have shadows two through or functions two through eight be in our shadow, which is a very disconcerting thought. So the firm model is like an attempt to be like accessible, right? It's like it's an acronym and you can kind of get it and it's a firm fixation, but it really is pointing to Jung's work of one-sidedness, which of course the antidote is, as you mentioned, individuation. And what's funny is individuation means two things simultaneously. It means both uh, separating from others. But individuation in its root form actually means in, which is not, and di division, which is divided. So it actually means not divided. It means a whole self. It means all the parts of yourself being accessible and integrated with each other and having a capacity to see it all, including what would be technically called shadow functions or ego dystonic functions. And as you see these in your life, they're now no longer shadow material. In the same way that shadow, shadow can grow into what was once conscious functions, the opposite can happen. We can actually bring material from the shadow into consciousness, and now it's not shadow work anymore. So it's a trajectory. Which, which direction do you want to be going? Do you want to be growing your shadow over time throughout your life until at the end of your life you're kind of a cardboard cutout version of yourself? Mm. Or do you want to uh, bring that material as much as possible into consciousness so at the end of your life you know who you are and you're rested into it and it was a life well spent of self-inquiry. Yeah, so what personality type is so great with is recognizing the ways in which you're one-sided and so the firm model is a really effective way to recognize the areas in which you might double down on things that are easier for your personality and so oftentimes the the firm fixation it shows us one of the key things that we might be struggling with and so when types deal with moderate stress they tend to double down on their dominant function and in fact the dominant function is almost like this big huge monster that can consume your entire life if you let it go that way and, and it's because it's so rewarding to be in our dominant function it is ego syntonic and so it can be a drug <laughs> and so a lot of life is figuring out ways in which we can recognize 
how we've been overlooking the shadow because it's not as fun to do shadow work. It is difficult, it is painful, it is arduous, but it is worth doing. Yeah. So, yeah, thank you for spreading the message that it's worth doing shadow work through the elegance of the eight function model and the firm model and by, by living life and being your awesome selves. And so I know that you guys are short on time, so I'm going to be respectful, but thank you for all that you're doing and all the people that you're helping through helping them identify their areas of growth and then helping them go beyond that and to become more fully integrated human beings. Thank, Thank you, you, Joyce. This has been fun. All right, cool. Yeah, and so that's a wrap. Thank you for watching Type Talks. My name is Joyce Ming, and I'll see you all in the next video. Take care.